It's another episode of the Gary and Mark show, and I'm Gary. And I am Mark. And we're coming to you. We're we're not live. But we're alive. We're alive. And we have a special guest. We do. Yes. And uh, before we introduce a special guest, he's special because of where we are recording today. Well, that's just one of the reasons he's That's special. true. That's true. Yeah. But it's where I met him, where I met you. That's right. Tell us where that is, Gary. We're on the tower at Camp Mondamon. In Tuxedo. Tuxedo, North Carolina. With in view. In view of lovely Rabbit Island. Rabbit Island Rabbit Resort. Island Resort. Yep. Yeah. You can uh, still catch that episode and get your own decal. You could. This guy may be lucky and get one. Yeah, you could spend time there at Rabbit Island. You you could. It'd be like a lifetime. So A day is like a lifetime at Rabbit Island. I, I agree. I agree. Spent many uh, lifetimes over there, it seems. Yeah. So introduce our guest, Gary. Well, our guest today, I'm glad you asked him, Mark. <laughs> okay. That would be Scott Reed from Tupelo, Mississippi. And you know... Birthplace gotta, of Elvis. That's right. Yeah. We're going to have to ask him about how many times he's seen Elvis. Yeah. I know he didn't live in Tupelo all his life, but uh, and he's he seen did his birthplace. 13 years. 13 years. 13 ago. years. Yeah, he did. Scott didn't see him born there because no, he's much younger than that. No, true. but his mother worked for uh, our uh, family business for a while. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, you know, people probably love to hear about Elvis more than our podcast, but they do yeah. want to hear about Scott. So tell us about what do you know about Scott. Well, let's see. I know he he was quite a good tennis player, uh, and his was that hurts. Well, <laughs> he's recovering from multiple surgeries. But, uh, Is that true? I didn't know that. He has eight been surgeries in eight years. Yeah, it's uh, it's all mechanical. It's body body falling apart. But and uh, you, well, you say how can you afford that? Well, that's because he's a financial advisor, <laughs> that's right. and he's been he's been a financial advisor. What? How many years you done that? Twenty five, thirty. Started in eighty five. Well, I know our our yeah. listeners are all ages, but uh, yeah. Gary's seventy. 69, 71. 71 in August. Oh, in August. How about that? I'm 68. Yeah. We could use some advice. So for people already our age. Yes. That can't save any more money. Right. What advice would you give us for free? Free advice. Free advice for somebody your age that hasn't saved any money and can't save anymore. No, I've any got more. some, but okay. I can't save any more. So well, okay, so I've saved up um, some. Would you would you tell us to get another pillowcase to put some of <laughs> I would, it to? I dis- mean, first of all, diversify. It, in that situation, prayer is good. Prayer, prayer. Because uh, there's not a lot left to do. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah. so we we can talk seriously about this crisis if you want to. But we can. Well, also, not you know, down there, it looks it. like that guy's carrying a giant Swiss Army knife. He is. Okay. He is. It, a flotation device. He's, he's, oh, he's oh. an Eagle Scout. He's well, ready. He's prepared. Okay. Right. Yeah, so we're on a tower on a lake. That's we're why you on can the see tower that. on a lake. Yeah. Not only can we see Rabbit Island, we see things going on all around yeah, us. Yeah, and normally there would be summer camp here with 200 oh. kids running yeah. around. That's right. That's right. Camp, that camp Mondamon. July and August in, in, in this place was is act, nothing but active in, except for today. Yeah, and so how many years were you here? I was here, uh, I was here um, se- se- maybe seven years as a camper and three or four as a counselor. I found out this when I, I got a real job. I realized I couldn't take off for three months in the summer uh, like Bill Felder's doing and, uh, and just come here for three months. And Frank didn't want to sign a contract with me for two weeks. And then I found out if I called him and said, hey, can I come up for two weeks and work for free for room and board? He said, yeah. <laughs> so for about three years after I quit coming, I would come up for two or three weeks in the summer and 
just work for free. But you were here as a camper too, right? I was here as a camper for seven years. So what were your years you were here? Uh, trying, I think I was to... 71 through 76. Oh. Okay, so I was 71 through 77. Yeah, 76. As a camper? As a camper, yeah. So all my years as a counselor, you were a camper. That's right. You were the one always we would see in Chief's office being lectured to. Probably so. Probably so. Yeah, I remember that. But those lectures took. Look. Look at them. They did. They did. I looked at Chief's Jeep that he used to take Jeep rides in yesterday. It's still here. Yeah. And he put six kids in the back of that thing, which is illegal in 49 states now. (laughs) It's crazy. What's the one state that's not Mississippi? Uh, Probably so. So Scott's from Mississippi right now. That's right. Tupelo. Born and raised. You mentioned that. Born and raised. Where Elvis was born. I would have left, but you know, they say that uh, when you die, most people go to heaven at an angle, but if you die in Tupelo, you go straight up. Well, that's a nice thing to think about. So the route's up? Straight up. Yeah, it's the shortest distance to heaven there is on earth. Okay. That's what uh, they say. When were you last here? Did you well, I come back almost every year. Do you really? Yeah, oh, and I was he, I was chairman of the board of the foundation for yeah, okay. uh, from '93 to 2006 or so, yeah. something like that. And the so. foundation raises money to help help uh, uh, kids that financially uh, uh, needy kids come to camp and uh, enjoy the experience here. And and every year, you know, there are 15 or 20 kids. What, what's amazing and what people don't know is that the family, the Bell family started this out of their own pocket for years and years. They just paid out of their own pocket to make sure that people had an opportunity to come to camp. And after Chief died in 93, people sent memorials in, and they didn't know exactly what to do with it. And so we started the foundation to help in that in that endeavor, and they still pick up a lot of the tab. But the foundation is now you know paying for 15 kids wow. a year or so. And so, uh, I mean, Gary and I have talked. To me, this was a life-changing experience to me as a – college student changed oh. my entire life and you would say the same would would you say that no doubt about it no doubt uh, about it's it's my second home it's my second family and so you have right now you've got two kids two kids? kids both went to green cove and they're both here today no, they're both here today yeah we so are came all up. staying in the cat yeah we actually we're so we're staying in the gap the doctor's cabin okay. which has got to be a, a really a, a huge change of pace for doctors to come stay in that cabin because it's it's got one window unit for a two-bedroom. Uh, yeah, it's tough. But uh, it's camp, and it's great. And, and we've got the camp to ourselves this week, which Boy, is you do. It's crazy. Know. It's absolutely crazy. It is. It's, it's a shame. And the most camps are closed, but not all, but most are. This one opened in 1922, and this is the first year they hadn't had campers. And we've said this before. This is, camps have been around that long. But this camp is one of the, probably the only or few that same owners, same the, family. There's, you know... Uh, Paige Lamelle, who was I uh, can't think of her before she was married, name will come to me. I, Ives, Paige Ives oh, yeah. Lamelle. That camp, Camp Keystone, started in 1915, and wow. it's still still in the same family. But I think that that well, and, and Greystone, uh, yep, still really? in the same family. Okay, Libby Severe Miller. Okay, you know. well that's great. But to those hear. three, I think that's about it. Wow. And, of course, a lot of camps over the years have closed, so these have stuck it out. Well, and the thing about this one, it always seemed different than a lot of camps. This was not a place to go to just have an experience and go home and talk about the experience you had. This was a place to go to learn how to have experiences. So a place to go to to learn the skill sets that you can use for the rest of your life. 
And so if you go rafting down a river, that's great for a day, but you still don't know how to paddle a river by yourself. And when you leave here, you go hiking, you go rock climbing, you go horseback riding, you go paddling. We've had world championship paddlers come out of a non-competitive camp for decades uh, because they teach you how to, how, to, how to actually master a sport or an activity. It's and a, the non-competitive part was what drew me to this camp because you can look at me, I was no athlete. And so it was great that you could come here and kids could come here and learn something from scratch that they could continue the rest of their life. In other words, you know, some camps, they had this huge in-camp sports program. Right. They played baseball and football and soccer. Same things they do all year long. And this camp tried to get kids to do things they were not doing at home right. on a regular basis. So well, well, there's a book that I've uh, started uh, that I don't know how long it's going to take me to finish, but it's called The Non-Competitive Advantage. And it talks about how, how you really learn to – you, you learn to master sports in a non-competitive atmosphere because then everybody's trying to help everybody as opposed to, you know, I played tennis in high school. I was, I was ranked number one in the state, uh, my senior in high school, and I beat everybody in my district, and everybody thought that was good enough, and nobody tried to get me any better because if you beat somebody, you beat them. It doesn't really matter how badly you beat them. You just need to beat them and go to the next one. And then, uh, and, and so when I got to college and was playing, it, it, really, it was really a, a hurdle for me uh, to try to get to that next level because nobody really cared to help me get there in high school because I was winning. And then you think about paddling here, and we didn't race. We didn't race anything, but it was non-competitive. Yeah. You go out there, and the first race I was in paddling, uh, Fritz Haller and I came in third to to uh, to Gordon Grant and John Burton, who came in first, and then the number three team in the country came in second. We came in third. We had no idea we were any good. <laughs> Well, it was their first race. And those are all well-known paddlers. They are well-known paddlers, and they came from here. Do you but still paddle? I know you. you I do. To... I do. I've had a hard time because I've had three back surgeries in three years, so I'm, uh, every time I get to about where I can paddle again, I, I go back under the knife. But uh, Gordon and I paddled uh, last year uh, together. We I try to get a couple in a year, you know, but not as much. I still own an outfitter company on the Locust Fork River in Alabama, and so we'll go take some trips out there every now and then. You still you have an outfitting company? Well, by accident, uh-huh. um, we <laughs> client of yours didn't pay up, and you just no. Took- we, a, a group with a lot of Mondamin folks went down to, to buy out. There was only one outfitter, and he was retiring from uh, from that life on the Locust Fork River. And we went down to buy some of his gear, and they called me and asked if I want anything. I said I'd like a couple of duckies and maybe a couple of sit on tops. That would be nice to have those. You can get them. And five hours later, he called me back and he said, "Good news, I got your boats." Bad news is we bought the business, and so uh, you owe me more than for just – and so about eight of us bought his business just so we could keep it going. So it's going now? Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all getting older. Uh-huh. It's not going as fast as it used to. Well, you got two kids. They want to take it over? No, they don't. Where do they live? Where do they live now? <laughs> they, well, they're still – they're both in college. So uh, they're uh, both in the uh, Honors College at Ole Miss and having a good time and making good grades and, and doing well. Well, you know, we're not a – political show but uh what'd you how'd you feel about the flag changing in mississippi well my dad was on the flag commission in 19 in 2002 that failed miserably to get the flag changed he said he thought that he's been punished for unknown sins by being put on that committee he was uh <laughs> yeah we were uh threatened and shot at and all kinds of stuff it was just crazy i think it's it's sad that it took this long it was great to to see it actually finally happen and and my friends in uh uh in, in government in uh, in Mississippi, told me flat out. Even the ones that wanted it changed said 
we just don't have the votes to make it happen. And then the NCAA came in, and the SEC came in and said that we couldn't have any postseason games. And all of a sudden, when you get sports involved in it, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't good enough for the people that, that we were losing business every, every year because of it. It wasn't good enough that, that concerts weren't coming to, to Mississippi because of it. But you start messing with our football teams. Southeastern Conference, kind of like the Vatican. Yeah. Boy, you don't be a boob. Did you That's go right. to Ole Miss? Where did you no, go? He's no, he's Bandy. Bandy. I went to oh, Bandy. okay. Yeah. Yeah, Commodore. Back when you could get in. Yeah, well, Athens I think that's all colleges. I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you. There's no way I could get in where I went to now. No way. I remember somebody stole my C1 at Vanderbilt one time, and I thought it must have been some fisherman that took it, and he's out. He's out on a lake trying to. Every time he casts, he turns over. <laughs> that made me laugh. But, um, yeah, I was there for four years, and then uh, went to Ole Miss Graduate School for a bit in business or something. Else. Business. Yeah. So tell us how you got into financial planning. Uh, I, I was in our family business, clothing business, been around since 1905. And, uh, there were, uh, 12 family members in the business. And I took our, uh, I took our, uh, net profit and divided it by 12 and said that wasn't going to work for some of us. And so, yeah, hold up. Uh, yeah. and so I got into the business. I had, uh, I had some friends in the business and, and, um, and I got in it and I was going to move to Nashville. And the guy that hired me said he'd always wanted to open an office in Tupelo. Would I stay? And I said, no. He said, please. I said, no. And we argued about it, and I stayed and opened the first full-service brokerage firm in North Mississippi in 1985. There wasn't one between Jackson and Memphis. And then our team started consulting with institutions and doing a lot of fiduciary work, which brokerage firms hate for a good reason. They don't want people going out and taking on liability they don't have to take on. And we wanted to, and so we lifted our team out in 2006 and started our firm, Hardy Reed Consulting Firm. And um, and we are... Uh, we're a fiduciary consultant firm. We have clients in about 25 states. We handle about a billion and a half dollars. And, That's a lot um, of zeros. Yeah, so it's worked out well. But it's uh, but we take on fiduciary liability for every client. See, so, what I like about the cover, I'm holding that up, I thought it said the top four rules. Because I can <laughs> I can handle four rules, but 40s, I mean, there's only 10 commandments. Yeah. But, so, <laughs> you know, but, but, but four rules. So my publisher... It was, it was his idea, and it was to. He said nobody reads. I started writing investment philosophy. I've had a, a financial column for twenty five years or more, and back when I used to write about stuff that was happening in the market, I had at one time five compliance departments that had to okay it. And by the time they finished it, you couldn't say anything. I mean, you'd say, you know, I think today, if, if, you know, if you're young and you have some money, you should invest. I go, everybody shouldn't do that. You can't say that. So what? What could I say? Well, you could say maybe some people could invest if they thought it was the right thing to do. You know, you go. So I started writing about philosophy because they can't argue with my philosophy. And so that's how that started. But he wanted to write a, a, a book of investment philosophy because there aren't any out there. Uh, and he wanted every chapter to be 600 words or less. And so I like that idea. Yeah. So I it's hate- 40, 40 rules, each one 600 words. It's, you yeah. can read the whole thing in an hour and a half. Well, you can. I, I'm really slow. <laughs> so if and he's look on the, I think they should have put you on the cover, Scott. But he's on the back. Yeah, nice, on there. Back. nice picture. Yeah, nice thank picture. you. Very yeah. So, um, how do they get this? Our listeners, of which we have normally seven or eight, so, at know. least. Yeah. So you, you got so seven or eight books right here. They could probably first of all, meet us this afternoon. Pick indep- them up. Independent bookstores around have them. Um, and then, uh, of course, Amazon. Uh, you can you can go. And look I'll, it up I'll get the info from you, and we'll put it on the website too. When we yeah, post. and I brought some extra books you can give away to readers if you want. 
Well, we have a giveaway. And I, and do do and we have re- we have listeners? listeners now we have sorry, readers. Well, wow. they might read. That'd be if great. If your listeners aren't readers, they won't want the book. All right, we're going to invent a contest today. <laughs> the yeah. first person who responds gets a free copy. Yes, and and they'll be signed. Which if oh. they're if they're not signed, they're about they're about what twenty bucks. Oh man! But if they are signed, they drop to like then they're twelve. Pr- they're priceless. They tend to yeah, drop to about priceless. twelve. 12 so uh, the, the first one wins, and they don't even have to give us thirty dollars for postage. We'll ship it. We'll we pay will. the postage. There you go. And we'll enclose a Rabbit Island sticker. And a GMP. And a GNMPU sticker. Dang. That is. That's going to be a grand prize. They're listening now. The last prize we gave away was just some advice, I think. Well, and I'm just, honestly, I'm just trying to, to suck up to y'all so you'll make me the dean of the uh, School of Finance. Well, you know, we're, going, uh, we're considering Let's vote it. on that. Let's, well, let's, we let's don't vote. have a quorum, right. but if we did. Let's vote. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. We are. Uh, there have we go. voted yet? It's overwhelming. <laughs> overwhelming. Landslide. Landslide. So, the dean uh, of our, what's what's his exact title? Oh, we got to write that down so we put it on the website. Yeah. Fine, dean of. School of Finance. School, school of Finance. finance. We yeah. need a school of finance. Yeah, we do. And we're going we're gonna to let Dee Dee be in charge of guarding the money of there, There too. you go. Nobody all right. Will. So, uh, all right. Congratulations. Well, this is what I'll say about the School of Finance. It'll be different because every school I know teaches people how to gamble in the in the investment world. Nobody teaches them how to invest. They have the stock market game, have all this stuff about how to buy stocks and sell stocks, and nobody teaches you how to actually invest money. Eighty-five uh, percent of our business is people that don't have a fiduciary obligation to their clients and aren't required to put their interest above their own who aren't required to manage costs and aren't required to have ongoing due diligence of the things that they recommend. 85% of our business. They're not bad people. They're just selling products, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, but no one knows that because everybody wants to act like they're not selling product. And so people get very confused. So this is going to be a different school of finance. It's going to be boring. So you're the kind (laughs) of, if for somebody like me who barely got through basic business course, but I, I was taught at an early age, don't spend more than you have. You better put something aside. That's, that's always good advice. Well, Two good things. Yeah, live, that, are, are those two of your rules or no? Live within no, your no. means. That's 42. You can have a part two <laughs> of this book. Right. You kind of are the ones that come in that help folks. Right. You're, you're the ones that go, actually, this is pretty good. This one's not so good. This one's your... Well, so... I'll tell you two things, the two basic premises of what we do. Our mission is to have a conflict of interest-free environment for clients. Once you do that, it makes it a lot easier to do our business. The two things that, that informed what we did, there was a study in 1991 that looked at how people actually get their returns over time. They found out the shortcut. 5% was security selection. 2% was market timing. And 93% was how your money was allocated between different asset classes. And in 1991, I didn't know anybody in the business had a clue how their client's money was allocated between asset classes. And so we started doing that. And then we combined that with this crazy idea that you should do what's in the best interest of the client at all times. And you put those two together, and it's a pretty powerful thing. But the sad part of it is that when you... I mean, you take into account the duly registered and all these other people are only about 7% of our business that actually does that. Hmm. And the rest of it is selling some kind of product to somebody. 
and and that's where the whole that's where the whole business is. It really having issues. It's not bad people doing bad things. It's it's really a bad business model that uh, that that hides the fact that people are selling product instead of doing what's in your best interest. That's that's the hard part about it. When you get paid to move money around, you always want to move money around, right? Even if it's not the right thing to do, because telling somebody they need to stay pat means I don't get paid today. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to say. Well, and the other part about it is people normally, when they get paid by the product, they get paid by uh, it. it we're, we're a wonder, our industry is very good at hiding how they get paid. And so they'll just take money out of the investment return and pay themselves. So you can get... You, I mean, some, you know, when you talk about annuities, somebody told me once on a, on a, I was on a panel and they said, I mean, I've heard you speak before. You hate annuities. I said, no, I, I don't hate annuities at all. I think they're the perfect investment for about 10% of the people that own them. It's, it's the other 90% that it's not really right for because they're really easy to sell. They sound great. And it's the highest commission thing in our, in our business. And so, so I did a talk to Merrill Lynch. I don't know why they asked me to do a talk to them. Well, uh, I'm impressed. I talked to their advanced broker conference two years, national advanced broker conference two years in a row. Was the bull there? The bull was there. He was either. <laughs> just, uh, and uh, and I, just as an example, I took $100,000 that somebody came in and wanted to put into an income-producing investment. I said, well, let's, let's look at three income-producing investments. Let's look at a five-year CD. Let's look at... Uh, 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 class A share mutual fund bond fund f- that, that you kept for five years and let's look at an annuity that you kept, a uh, variable annuity that paid income out you kept for five years the CD paid the broker about $400 the bond fund paid the broker about $3,250 and the annuity could, depending on one of the 15 different ways you could have that paid out, would pay a, a, about $13,000 and now, which one's right for the client? The one that pays them four hundred dollars, thirty-two hundred fifty dollars, or thirteen thousand dollars? It's an impossible decision to make. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad person. You put that in front of anybody, and they go, "Well, I'd really like that thirteen thousand dollar one, but I'll probably do the thirty-two fifty because I'm sure not doing the four hundred because that's just not enough money for me." You know, it's a terrible way to make a decision. So, do you ever have not your kids? Yeah. But like, ever have twenty-two year olds come to you and say, "Can you help me?" Or yes. Do they wait till they're fifty? No, and I've had the you know one of the first people that read this book called me and and then came, wanted to come visit and came to my house to to, to visit and it's really and that's the thing you, you just get started doing the right thing and you know it's it's called getting so rich slowly. That could be an incentive, like you read his book and then you get to go stay at his house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be great. That'd be great. <laughs> and I think both people have. So yeah. before you went into this business, did you ha- did you do any other? Type work before you went into financial. Well, I was, uh, yeah, I was in the clothing business. I went, okay, I wait. went through the Hearts After Marks training program in Houston, Texas, and then uh, for I was there for a year and came back and worked in my family business for five years, and then, and then went into this business. But uh, um, and then I, I, I was up here as much as I could between college and real work. My dad kind of called me out of the woods and told me I'd been offered a job. I'm pretty sure he paid somebody to offer me a job because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't applied for one, so. It's hard for me to believe they really picked me, but uh, anyway, he got me out in the real world. If not, I might have been paddling here for the That's rest right. of my life. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Except you can't make any money. But you can't make any money doing that. But you could work as a camp counselor when they're having camp. I... Well, but that's not all bad. Gordon Grant said one of his favorite quotes is that at either end of the economic spectrum lies a leisure class. <laughs> well, there you go. I like that. 
<laughs> I like that I like too. That, yeah. yeah. So uh, you're also a musician. I am. Were you playing guitar when you came here as a camper? I was. I did a lot of the assemblies. Uh, well, as a camper, not as much as a camper. I, I picked it up in, in probably junior high school or so and started playing a little bit in high school and really started playing in college. So when I was here as a counselor, I, I did a lot of the assemblies. Of course, you know, the first summer you were, you say you were here as a camper, 71, that was Mark's first summer, and he was a counselor. And, of course, what we always chuckled about, Mark brought his organ that's right. Camp. And That's right. We, we used Uh-oh. to have these. This is a bad story, I can tell you right now. <laughs> no, we used to have. Children the, should have leave to, the room. So have I can to say. make those announcements. If people stomp too hard in the lounge, <laughs> it would. They would. We mess would up my say, organ or it something. Would, it, it, it wouldn't work. It would talk about it, it would mess up Mark's organ, <laughs> and Jack Kenimer would just fall apart in a. Alan quickly fall apart in Alan his chair. quickly not to bring that organ back yeah. ever again. Okay. Do you remember yeah. Norval Rose? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He did the letter, which became uh, iconic here. In 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 his, I remember, in his uh, yeah. I, I, we our band plays at it every gig. Uh, so yeah, your band is called Two Drink Minimum. Two Drink Minimum. We we started out as Three Drink Minimum, and then we got better. Uh, our I goal mean, is to be drink if you feel like it. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people in your band when it's at yeah. full staff. That's yeah. huge. It's like a big band. It is. It is. Uh, it is. Well, we're. It's really a lazy band. We've got. Um, we did that. We have four lead singers uh, because we don't like to practice. And um, yeah, I know. That. And and everybody already kind of knew their stuff. And then if we could switch off a lot, we could go a long period of time without having to take a lot of breaks. And so we have four lead singers, and we just kind of rotate around during the whole night. And so I had the fortune of having hearing a garage concert during the beginning days of this pandemic, yeah. I think. That was neat. Yeah. That was, that was good music. That was three of us. We do an acoustic version. We have an acoustic album that was kind of back, back porch music, which is kind of, uh, it was a, it's called uh, Mostly Live and, uh, no, is it, uh, what's it called? It's uh, um, Almost Live and Mostly Covered because it's about half of them are original songs, the other half are covers. And um, we did this live thing where there are a lot of, uh, flaws in it but we did like one take on a lot of songs and things like that and we ended up in the studio but uh it's a long story but our engineer uh ran off with a band and took our masters so uh the only thing we had left was his last uh mix which had a lot of flaws in it because we weren't done yet and that was all we had left and so we took it and did our best to try to fix it and then we we liked a lot of songs so we just left them in so where's that engineer now that ran away i don't know he uh, he's with a band somewhere. I, I saw something about him a couple of years ago, but he doesn't answer my phone calls. Mm. So, do you guys play private parties, or what do you when you do when you're In able public, to play? We do. Uh, you know, the big group does. Y'all festivals did a fundraiser. And, seems like yeah, that was a fundraiser on YouTube. Well, we did Facebook, that. With, that Facebook, yeah, that was, was three of us. The three of us. We'll do two or three of us. will do acoustic stuff sometimes, but the big band does. You know, we do festivals and stuff and weddings and. You know, cool. or mitzvahs and whatever, well, that's whatever. But it's uh, um, but we did uh, yeah, we played at uh, Ground Zero for a fundraiser, Damn. Morgan Freeman's place down in the Delta. That was fun, really. Wow. Yeah, and, wow. and and everybody gets to sign the stage, and I signed right next to Eric Clapton. I felt pretty good about that. I would, yeah, that was fun. But uh, 
and you know, Burger Fest and Chili Fest and <laughs> anything that says Fest on it. Um, is we this do some in of those. Your town? I mean, or other no, it's places? all over. All we, over. You can look at our shirt. We've been Just follow um, the burgers, follow the yeah. chili. Now there are two. There there are there are two things on our shirt that uh, um, that are, are pretty impressive, which is. Uh, yeah, hold that There's shirt a, up towards the camera. Well, there. that's our that's our world tour. Um, world tour, and it says mostly around here. <laughs> um, what? Most around here, and, and it says our our motto is we made it longer than the Beatles. The Beatles made it seven years, and then we're in our tenth year, so that's well, good. Um, but we got Marseille, France, in New right. York, and a lot of people say, "Did you really play Marseille, France?" And I'd say, "Yeah, kind of." So this is the deal. I'd always wanted to uh, a song I love is "Coast of Marseille" by Keith Sykes, and um, I was in Marseille, and I was going back to the port, and there was a guy, a street musician, with a guitar, and I figured that was my chance. There so I went go. up to him and asked if I could borrow his guitar, and I played uh, "Coast of Marseille." Well, you know, and uh, so I counted it. That, that counts. Yeah, I, I had the so. same kind of. Thing, kind of David Holt. You may not know who yeah. he is, but he's Americana musician. Yeah. Lives in back, not I mean Nashville area, right? But I, I, I was the world's worst banjo player, and I played just three piece string band, and I was just there for my looks because I was terrible. But right. we got to play at a fundraiser just at someone's house one time, and I just said, "Could we sit in with you in one song?" So that's what I got to my one song I had memorized, which was like <laughs> "I'll Fly Away" or something yeah. like that. And but I did have a beer one time. With uh, oh my gosh, John John's name has this big band Earl uh, Scruggs. Th- no, not Earl Scruggs. <laughs> uh, comes to Asheville. Time. I cannot believe I'm bringing. I say it's a big band, like a ten piece band. I'll get. I'll come back to it. You know, back to David. David. Well, you're Holt. still playing piano, though, right? The keyboard. keyboard but I yeah. actually, I just retired because my my clients were the over ninety crowd. Yeah, ninety percent of what I they're, did were retirement homes. But the good part about that was their they're hearing's dead. not good. No. Right. And I had to sing so I could get by with, and yeah. I had a, a yeah. box to help keep me in pitch. Right. But the memory was such that I could play the same song three or four times in the same set, and they wouldn't really care. Perfect. Yeah. They'd yeah, throw perfect. things at me. And, you know. and they, so you, they'd be hauling people off yeah. during the concert. <laughs> well, yeah. so unfortunately. Wrap yeah. it up, Mark. We're down to two now. <laughs> well, uh, I, I'll, after, off mic, I'll have to tell you the truth. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but I, hey, I got it. David Holt was Townsend Birdsong. Townsend Williams Birdsong, Camp High Rocks. She went to Warren Wilson, and David Holt was her banjo instructor at Warren oh Wilson. Neat, wow. neat guy. Neat you guy. know, one time he lived, seemed like, next door to Janis Joplin in San Francisco. He's got some stories. Uh, he does. He's a good musician. Yeah. Well, you know what we're going to do? So for our listeners, we're going to take a short break in just a second. So sit. that our listeners can go pee. Yeah, but actually, right. you will be um, start turning things off. So your listeners are only going to have like five seconds here. Yeah. So, but uh, but they might want to push. Well, they pause. may have your. Yeah, they may have bought your implement. Yeah. And I, and I was like, it's like my organ. I don't want to see it. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> stiffer than my organ, though, well, right? I, nothing I have. Yeah. Is here, right? <laughs> Play a tune on it. Okay. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break, but yeah. and then we'll come back after two or three songs because we're going to come up with. The, end the show with a contest oh. way for someone to earn this free Boy, copy of this book. Okay. Scott Reed. Right. And, and I can give some CDs away too. Man, he's got everything for us. So we're going to take a I'll quick take. break. We don't want anybody to go away. We'll be right back. Now, we go. are back. So we're here. So 
We're going to have Scott Reed's going to perform on the guitar so and vocals. But Gary, our own Gary, Gary Evelyn, is going to be playing some harmonica. And you'll be impressed. And so you guys, uh, you just take it away. And there you go. You'll be impressed. You want to do that? Uh, I'm impressed. You want to do the blues song? Anything that I have a key in that I might. Do you have E? You have E. Let's see. D. That's E. I got E. Well, see, I know a bunch of E stuff because Elvis always played in E. All right. But this is a Delbert McClinton song, a blues song about somebody who just didn't have that good a relationship it just it just didn't start off well and it didn't end well and but at the end of the day he realized he was better off without her and it goes something like this well since you've been gone i've had time to myself hadn't even tried to find somebody else when you told me you were leaving it almost came as good news it may sound funny but it's true I think I'm better off with the blues Well, I must admit I miss you sometimes Not a day goes by That you don't cross my mind But then I think about All the hell you put me through It was a lesser of two evils I think I'm better off with the blues I know one day I'm gonna wake up These blues will be gone I'll forget about you and how everything went wrong But if I would have stayed, I'd be dead in my tracks now I still love you, baby But I don't want you back Cause tonight I'm going down to the sad side of town Listen to the blues when the sun goes down And when somebody asks me I know just what to say about you I say yes, we had some good times But think I'm better off with the blues I know one day I'm gonna wake up, these blues will be gone. I'll forget about you and how everything went wrong. If I would have stayed, I'd be dead in my tracks now. I still love you, baby, but I don't want you back cause tonight I'm going down to the sad side of town. Listen to the blues when the sun goes down and when somebody asks me, I know just what to say about you. I say, yes, we had some good times, but think I'm better off with the blues. Uh, take it here. I still love you, baby, but I don't want you back, cause tonight I'm going down to the sad side of town. Listen to the blues when the sun goes down and when somebody asks me, I know just what to say about you. I say, yes, we had some good times, but I think I'm better off with the blues. Well, we must have had some good times, but I think I'm better off with the blues. Well, we had to have some good times, but I think I'm better off with the blues. There you go. That was incredible. All right. Wow. What's next? You want, uh, as uh, I heard Jackson Brown say one time, do you want, I can play something soft and and melancholy or sad, but (laughs) laced with hope. 
<laughs> always like to lace with hope. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, Gary, we could get him to do 12 songs, and we can make our own CD. There you go. Make more money we'll than Find the, that engineer who... Because uh, we, hey, we, don't, we don't have money for the show. People can donate now at www.garyandmark.com. Uh, there you go. And some people do. The, you know our lawyer, Joe Clark, 40, right? Yes, if it, I know yeah, Joe he, very he's well. He's a donor to this the show. Top 40 well, rules. Top 40 rules. For... Uh, for uh, Sending money. You got a D. You got a D, don't you? I do. I have a D. You want to play a, a, a kind of a? How about a Jimmy Buffett ballad in D? Well, let's try that. See what happens. All right, let's do. Uh, let's see which one's in D. How about uh, this one's uh, called "The Captain and the Kid." Captain and the Kid. You know that one? Pretty schmaltzy. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah you know, we don't have to play. We play something no, else. That's good. That's <laughs> I, good. I see you're excited. I just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm slow, and I can only hit about four. So, we'll just do the little filler part there. I think I'll do. It. I'll yeah. just do that. This is, a, this is Buffett wrote this about his uh, about his grandfather right and um, his. He was being interviewed by I, I don't. know, She sounded like she was probably thirteen year old girl or so, and she said, uh, "You've only played this song six times." And he went, "No, no, I've played it more than that." She said, "No, six times." And he said, oh, "You probably got bad information. It's more than that." She said, "No, it's six times. You played Ca- uh, Cowboy in the Jungle ninety eight times, and you've only played this one six. Why?" He said, I, I, you know, it's an emotional song. I don't know. I don't, I'm just happy to play it for a seventh time today. And he played it. But uh, a song about his grandfather. Yeah. Never used to miss a chance to climb upon his knee. Listen to the many tales of life upon the sea. Go sailing back on Barkentine. Talk of things he did Tomorrow is just a day away For the captain and the kid His life has gone from sailing ships To raking mom's backyard He never could adjust to land Though he tried so hard both growing older then, wiser with our years. As I came to understand the course, Sarge still steers. He died about a month ago, while winter filled the air. And though I cried, I was so proud to love a man so rare. Somewhere on the ocean now A place he ought to be With one hand on the starboard rail He's just waving back at me Cause I never used to miss a chance To climb upon his knee And listen to the many tales Life upon the sea Sailing back on Barkentine And talk of things he did The world was just a day away For the captain and the kid For the captain and this kid
Wow. There you go. I got to hear another one. Man, we can do this all day. How about can, uh, let's see, you don't have a G. I ain't got no diet. My G went bad on me. This is a, no. I'll do this one, uh, and then you can cut it if you want to or, uh, or not. But this was uh, talking about Buffett. Buffett said one day, um, he, uh, I was listening to him interviewed, and, and they were talking about a song he wrote called Little Miss Magic about his daughter. And they asked why he wrote it. And he said, because if you are a songwriter and you have girls and you don't write a song about them, you will go to hell. <laughs> it wasn't you might go to hell or, or you know, it, you could, it, you will. And I had two girls at the time, and I thought, I better get started on something. So I wrote this one this, that afternoon so I could avoid going to hell. So you wrote this song? Coming yeah, this one. What's, What's the name of it? Uh, Little Girls Like These. I love that. This is on one of these. Huh? Isn't this on one of these? It is on the yeah. first album. Yeah. You remember that? Well, I do. I listen. Oh, my little girls, they go. What key you? It's in G. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Should have brought Should've my harmonica. And somehow some people had a cross organ, which there's a cross key for it. Fingers Taylor, I was I, I, I got a chance to play some songs with him at a car shop one day. He's one of the best harmonica players. He's Buffett's harmonica player. And I said, uh, and he had one that's sitting in his pocket, and I said, let's play something. He said, okay. I said, uh, what key do you have? What key is your harmonica? And he said, it doesn't matter. You just play whatever you want to. I'll, I'll play this one. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, find it. You go ahead. And a lot better a harmonica player than I am, if well, you can say that. Watch my little girls, they go Round and round where no one knows And I can't catch them till they fall asleep then i look into their faces seeing their amazing graces serenity transcends this place that once was mine now i know the way god must have felt the day he made little girls like thee Made little girls like these. And I see them growing older. And Father Time has grasped my shoulder. He's taken me through all these years at much too fast a pace. Waking up another day to talk of boys and football games just. Makes me want to hold on tight Cause I can I can feel them slipping away Now I know the way God Must have felt the day he Made little girls like these Made little girls like these
I see them coming to me Dressing white with something blue mixed in and The preacher asks who gives them away But I can, I can hardly hear myself say Now I know the way God must have felt the day he Made little girls like these Made little girls like these Made little girls like these Wow. So you figured out their moniker. Well, I hit like one or two notes. That was good. That was, that was better than good. That was gorgeous. Oh, thank yeah. you. So, you want to do one more th harmonica and y'all work out which one? Or do you? Well, I don't. I mean, I'm game. I'm yeah, I think you need to do one more, Gary. Do Let's we? See, um, gonna, yeah, what's going to happen? Like, later tonight, we're going to go, oh, hey, why didn't we? Uh, so, I just want pe people to know, Scott. So, uh, yeah. As you're playing here and Gary's not playing, he's looking at just like a teenager, looking at his phone or whatever. Yeah. And he's on video. He's on video here. So yeah. people are going to say, why is he not? Why is he? Because he's See, I'm off camera. He's I can be doing anything. So we have Gary Eblin and Scott Reed for one more song. So what, what key did you get there? Oh, I've got. Let's do another E. That's e. 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 Let's do, hey, we are in I'll for tell you. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's, yep. do, uh, let's do an homage to Elvis. Let's do the first song of rock and roll. Which would be? A, C, D. Is that my E? Well, it's not. It's my baby. It's not that one. Not that one? No. That's all right, Mama. So, you guys need to remember that Scott Reed here is from Tupelo, Mississippi. That's birthplace right. Birthplace of Elvis Presley. That's right. I was just out there the other day. So, where are you living now? Tupelo. You're still in Tupelo. I'm in Tupelo, I man. I, I, I left and kept coming back. And so, what's the reason. population? Population of Tupelo is about 40,000, oh. but during the day we're about 90,000 because wow. we have a lot of bedroom communities and we're the second biggest uh, uh, tax receipt uh, area in the state um, or third, depending on how the coast, coast is doing. But uh, our market area is about 350,000. Wow. We've got the largest non-metropolitan hospital in the country. We've got our own symphony orchestra. We've got 75 Fortune 500 companies there. We're, Hmm. We're cooking. You sound like you're cooking. We're cooking. We're uh, about 90 miles southeast of Memphis, so if you come to Memphis, okay. no, no, I, go I to Graceland, exactly come down to see Elvis' birthplace. And you're out here. It's right now. Of course, he's in Mississippi. It's pretty hot sometimes. Yeah. Hey, you know, and it's boy, August. Right here, August 1, and the breeze is coming through on this I'm lake. It feels you, good. I feel like the guy who said, uh, the guy that lived in uh, Key Largo and, and said he moved up to Orlando once but came back because it was too cold there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's nice and cool up here. It feels good right now. Yeah, we're at 95 with about 104 heat index. Oh, yeah, uh, where right I am. I'm, I'm down the mountain here about yeah. 25 minutes, and it gets this drops 2,000 feet or a 1,000 yeah. feet elevation. Yeah. Well, we're going to have one more song from so Scott Reed. So if it's an Elvis thing, it's August, and it's going to be August is the, it was 43 years ago, That's 1977. Right. So this is a true story about camping. I'm not, I'm not proud of it. Uh, I've, I've been a, uh, I've been a, a counterpuncher all my life. I don't start fights. I, I, I try not to. I, I try not to get beat up either. I don't. I try to protect myself. I've never aggressively started something, but I was. I'd been out in the woods uh, August sixteenth of that year, seventy-seven, yeah. and I came in and I got off the bus, and and some kid came up uh, and said, "Hey, did you hear Elvis died?" I went, "What?" 
He said, yeah, he was a druggie. He died of a drug overdose, and I hit him. Hey, you don't talk about Elvis that way. That's right. You you That's know right. the kid's name. I don't have any idea. Good. Hey, Good. We should have never said that to me. That was the one thing you can't say to me. Now, now, all of a sudden, we've got some wind noise. Well, you, you hear know. that in your headphones? Yeah. And Mark and I were on a hike to find Dismal Falls, which we didn't find. A two-night <laughs> overnight. That, we got picked up off old 281 near Owens Gap, and it was Dick Jordan mm-hmm. who said, did you hear the news? Elvis oh, died. That's right. We didn't, we didn't know. We did not know. Dick Jordan. All right, we're going to have one more song right. from Scott Reed, two-drink minimum band out of Tupelo, Mississippi, and Gary Eblen, the other half of the Gary and Mark show, better half. That's all right, Mom. That's all right for sure. That's all right, Mama, you can do anything you want, but that's all right. That's all right. That's all right now, Mama, any way you do. Mama, she done told me, Papa done told me too. Boy, that girl you're hanging around, she ain't no good for you, but that's all right. That's all right. That's all right now, Mama. Anyway, you do. Well, I'm leaving town tomorrow. I'm leaving town for sure. Leaving town tomorrow. Don't be hanging around my door, because that's all right. That's all right. That's all right now, Mama, any way you do. You want it, Gary? All right, we're going to play it. Well, dee, 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 There's more. There's more. So we are back here after taking another little break to reset things, making sure I had forgot to turn that camera around first on the little screen so I could see if I was in it or not. But want to thank again our our guest, Scott Reed. And we got something, Gary, that we often do. And he's already been officially appointed dean of the new School of Finance for the Gary and Mark Podcasting University. But you can't be dean. Without being a graduate. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, Thank you so much. Well, Boy. so we are presenting you. I let Gary make this presentation. Uh, okay. Dun, 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 the BS in podcasting. I love it. 
Scott Oh, it's Reed. got my name on it. That's it, great. It, it's it's this not is, written in either. No, and it's, it's kind of framed. It's framed in a... personalized <laughs> in a very attractive vinyl enclosure. That's right. And I even put a piece of it. stiff paper. Suitable, your, for, suitable for framing. You're he, traveling, it's right. It's got a stiffener in there. I'm we gonna, can all I'm use gonna that. I'm going to frame it. There's and, no doubt. And, and then he's got... Oh, I know. You, you got all our swag, all our merch we yeah. have. Yeah. Our merch you can only display. Your merch we can wear. Well, you can wear is, that. This is, you can uh, wear that. That'll yeah. go in a special place, I'm sure. This is beautiful. I yeah. Um, extra honors too. Did you I just that? Don't, yeah, it is honorary BS with extra honors. It's it's beautiful. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna cry. Well, well you should. Well, yeah. Yeah. okay. So I uh, like your music. It uh, it, it kind of helped. More than make me cry a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was deli- it was great. I mean, I, we we could make it our own DVD or CD of his music and make yeah. plenty of money. You can make a dollar. Yeah. So we are going to have a contest. We may have to think about it. But if you're interested in this book, yeah, okay, from Scott Reed, Top Forty Rules of Investing. It is a bestseller. Yeah, it is a great book. He said short chapters. You heard that? Easy to read. Great advice. You need going to be signed. Going to be signed. That's right. We'll say that the first person who emails us after hearing this podcast at GaryandMarkShow at gmail.com, GaryandMarkShow at gmail.com, will get a copy of this autographed book sent there you your go. way. Sounds okay. good. And uh, you can find his books. We'll put that on our website and his CDs, too. He's got two CDs. That's right. And merch, other merch, and merch, hats, t-shirts. Merch. This guy is—he uh, is not cheap. Well, he's—that's <laughs> why he's the dean of finance. And that, that's he's right. On, we, we need some finance, and you know, and you've heard about the Gary Mark Podcast University. That's why you want absolutely now, right. And this is August one is time you need to sign up. And uh, our university, as Scott probably knows. We were doing distance learning before it even came about. Yeah, we were the tip of the spear on distance learning. Yeah, that's right. Learning. I think Absolutely. they got the idea from us. When COVID-19 came and said, who are the trendsetters in education? That's right. Yeah. How can we do it off campus? Who is doing this around the country now the right way? And they found you. They found us. Yes. Yeah. And we didn't get any credit. Well. Some credit. Yeah. You know, but see, if you got friends. And we have friends. We have friends. So we want to thank... Our good friend from many years. I met him apparently in 1971, well, same year I met Gary. I was, say this, we joke around a lot. I say this sincerely. You two people are two of the important people in my life forever. I, I mean, it's, it's it's like coming home to see both y'all. I see him every now and then. I don't see you as much. I, I told Gary, I haven't I keep seen up you. I don't you. think I've seen you since camp. Yeah. Although I came to the 50th reunion. Maybe you were here then. I was there. Uh, and that may have been the last time. I mean, I've been to camp, but not much. I know, but uh, y'all are so important to me. It, just well, that way, we we like being told we're important, don't we? We do. <laughs> well, this is episode number thirty-six, Gary. Episode and see, it's nice. He's he's a, a little bit younger than us, but not of, a lot. Not a lot. That's true. How old would you be? Forty-two. I am. No, I'm sixty-two. You are not. Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You look great. Even with all those fancy parts. Well, thanks. They I don't appreciate even look that. like. Yeah, I've got a lot of new parts. New parts. Yeah, but I'm still going. Gary's got a new. Just one part. Yep. Hip. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, we want to thank our sponsors real quick. Yeah. Even though we haven't been out. Yeah, well, we well, see one right now. Rabbit Island Resorts. The planes are 
coming in uh, pretty regularly. And Scott's got a big decal from yeah, uh, Rabbit, Rabbit Island, Island Resorts. That's big right. Whiz Pocket Buddy. Big Whiz Pocket Nobody's Buddy. Nobody's had to use one of those in a while, but that's why we have the Little Buddy. I can't remember that's the name. I think the, it was a Little Buddy. Little Whiz? He was Something like that, little, yeah. Little, yeah. And uh, we got the... Uh, the uh, Saluda Outfitters. Saluda Outfitters in uh, Saluda. Right. And we have not been there in months. No, we haven't. We need to go, Gary. Yeah. Maybe we'll, before we get to episode 40. And we'll then the back. White Dove. Uh, L.J. Myers. L.J. Myers. White Dove releases. Yep. And uh, don't we, uh, get don't get them confused and take them out to the, the range where they're shooting skeet. That would be a. <laughs> that would be. He would not be happy. He would not be that happy. That would be bad. Well, this has been another great episode. Oh, fun having scott here yes be here i'm mark i'm gary don't forget to subscribe follow us all that kind of good stuff tell people about us yep stay tuned for the next episode meet us on the tower meet us on the tower we'll see you in the next episode